I'll bring you more than a song. What a fitting way for our praise to lead us into the sermon this morning because we are studying the book of Acts in our morning services. And as the name suggests, the Christian life is more than what we do when we gather on a Sunday uh, morning. It's more than just being contemplative. It's more than uh, a set thing that we believe in. It's about also what we do. And as I've uh, prepared this section of the book of Acts that we're looking at, I have focused on the encounter of Philip with a person whom we do not know by name, but only by description. He has become known as the Ethiopian eunuch. And as we go through this, especially as we study firstly uh, Philip, we will be challenged to be active in our Christian faith. And in the second part, as we look at the Ethiopian eunuch, we'll see how vitally important it is that uh, people get to hear uh, the gospel so that they can respond to it. So who are these people? Firstly, who is this Philip that is mentioned in this portion of Scripture that we've just read? Well, we could quickly jump to the conclusion that as there is an apostle called Philip, and the book we are reading is called The Acts of the Apostles, that that's who he is. He's, he's Philip, the apostle. However, in Acts 8 and verse 1, uh, we are told otherwise. We read that on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and then most important, it says, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. In other words, with the persecution, the Christian believers left Jerusalem except not the apostles. So that would indicate that perhaps this is not Philip the apostle. Furthermore, when we are introduced to Philip, we are told that he is one of the scattered. So therefore, he can't be the apostle in verse 4 of chapter 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and, and proclaimed Messiah there. So it's not Philip the apostle. Who is the Philip then? Well, there was another Philip. You will remember from earlier in our studies in, uh, in Acts that because of the pressure of numbers uh, and the problem that they were having looking after the needy Christians that there were, that a problem had arisen that the Greek-speaking believers were being left out. And so the apostles decided to appoint seven deacons. One of them was Stephen, and he became the first Christian martyr. And another was Philip. There was a Philip who was a deacon, and he was the Philip that we're thinking of. So that's Philip sorted out. The second question is, who is this Ethiopian eunuch? Well, he's wealthy. He's high, a high-ranking court official from a faraway country, Ethiopia. He works under the government and authority of the queen, Candace. And also we learn from the passage of Scripture that he has been to Jerusalem to take part in the religious festivals. He is what the Jews would have, been, would have known as a God-fearer. 
A person who follows Jewish belief and custom, but is not Jewish. We also know, uh, because of his title of eunuch, he is sexually inactive, and being Ethiopian, he is black-skinned. So that's what we know about the Ethiopian. Now let's go back to Philip. I've given him the title of gospel messenger because that is how the Ethiopian defines him in verse 30. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? And the Ethiopian says, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? And Philip is that person. Philip is a person who is going to explain the message of the gospel. He's the gospel messenger. And I have looked at this encounter of Philip with the Ethiopian, and I think there are three things for us to learn about being gospel messengers, because that's what God's people are. We need to listen, we need to walk, and we need to question. Let's look at those three things. Now, on the whole, as we go through this, the story is the illustration. I don't need to add many illustrations because the story is. But for this subject of listening, let me give you an illustration. At a subway station in New York, a violinist begins to play. After four minutes, a middle-aged man noticed and slowed his pace and stopped for a few seconds. And then he hurried on uh, to meet with the schedule. Four minutes later, a woman threw money into the hat without stopping. Six minutes uh, later, a young man leaned against a wall to listen and then looked at his watch and walked on. Another ten minutes, and a three-year-old boy stopped, but his mother tugged him along hurriedly. This action was repeated with several other children, but every parent, without exception, hurried their children on. At 45 minutes, in total about six people had stopped briefly. About 20 gave money, and in total he managed to collect $32. The musician stopped at the end of one hour. No one applauded. The violinist was Joshua Bell, who packed concert halls regularly. And yet, no one really stopped to listen. And we can put ourselves into that situation and say, you know, I would have been the same. Meeting a schedule, uh, to get into the office, uh, to catch a bus, or whatever it would have to be. We can see how that is how we live life. Even when there is beautiful music being played, we know that probably we would have rushed on. I know that because uh, the, the quality of busking in Belfast has improved over the years. And sometimes there is lovely music being played and sung in Belfast. And I'm one of those people who walk by, maybe throw a, a coin now and again uh, into the hat. But I do that too. And that sort of fits with the way we live our lives. There is always something to be doing or to be distracting us, and we don't take time to listen. But you say, ah, hold on here. 
even if I did take time to listen, why should I expect God to do what he did with Philip and tell Philip where to be and where to go? Why should I expect something miraculous like that to happen in my life? And yet, do you know something? We sing about that all the time. Every time we sing Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Is that not direction? He leads me beside quiet waters. Is, is that not direction? He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. We sing that psalm very regularly. And it's a psalm about God being the shepherd and we being the sheep. And he, as shepherd, guides his sheep. He gives direction. And we sing it regularly. It's part of the dynamic faith that we have in God, that he directs us. At times, he calls us aside to the uh, still waters and the quiet pastures, and at other times, he calls us to be in the right path. And we say amen to that. We live as Christians with a dynamic faith that says, you know, God can point me in the right direction. When we say the Lord's Prayer, are we not requesting daily supervision by God? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God, let me experience your will in and around my life. Give us today our daily bread. We're expecting God to intervene on a daily basis with provision, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do we not pray this when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that God will guide us, that, he, that He'll steer us away from temptation, that He'll deliver us from doing things that are wrong and, and being under, under the influence of that which is wrong and evil? It's part of the dynamic of our life that God can speak to us. You know, as, uh, as we go about these days, we, we know there's voices all around us. We know that because uh, we can turn on a radio and the voice comes to us. But I believe the voice of God is speaking to us far, far more times than we care to listen. The problem is not God speaking. The problem is us listening. So the first thing we know about Philip, who is an activist, who is a go-getter, who is out doing the things of God, the first thing we know about Philip, before he does any of that, he's listening to God. The second thing that we learn about Philip is that he's meant to be places. I've entitled this walk. He's meant to be places. You know, many years ago, there was an advert in the Presbyterian Herald to be the minister of a church in the Bahamas. Now, my question was, how would you ever know it was a call of God to go to a church in the Bahamas? Like, I can think of a dozen other reasons why I'd want to go to the Bahamas. 
you know, the chances are God's not going to call you or me to the Bahamas. But Philip knew where God wanted him to be. Verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Just as I'm sure God wants us to listen for his direction, I am sure God wants you and I to go places. But don't go packing your suitcase just yet. You see, God told Philip to get on the road to Gaza because there was someone he wanted him to meet. And the probability is that the person God wants you to meet as a gospel messenger It's just a walk away. Maybe it's just on the other side of the room. Perhaps in your better moments, you think you would like to be like Stephen, a martyr for the faith. If the hard times came, you would lay down your life for the Lord. But it's more likely that what God wants from you is just to cross the room and say hello to someone. And I know what you're thinking. What? I think I'd prefer to be martyred than have to go across the room and talk to someone I don't know. You're saying to yourself, I would die a death if the person, when I got to speak to him, didn't want to speak to me, or I dry up in my conversation, and we're saying, God, just don't ask me to cross the room and speak to that person. But God will ask you to do that. As we look at the life of Philip, it's a very simple thing. Philip, go and walk down that road, and you're going to meet someone. And the chances are, whether it's here in church whether it's on the bus, whether it's down the street in the cafe or wherever it is, there is someone that you just just have to take a couple of steps to and say hello. If we are to be gospel messengers, we need to listen to God and we need to be prepared to go. And it's not probably a long distance. It's a walk. And the third thing as a gospel messenger is be prepared to ask a question. Verse 30, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the sign of the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. A question that tests the coherence of a person's belief is a good starting point when you get to that level of conversation. Now, Not everyone that God tells us to meet will have the book of Isaiah open, and you're more likely to be talking about the weller. But eventually, somewhere in the conversation, there will be an opportunity to ask what the person understands and believes in. Imagine today asking, what do you believe in? Possible answers could be love, diversity, tolerance, personal freedom, saving the planet, having a good time. The mistake would be to turn whatever the answer is into some sort of cultural war where you say you disagree. A better follow-up would be to ask, do you find that easy or hard? 
Because what you want to uh, get the question to come to is their coherence of what they think they know. For instance, as you listen to someone coming out with the answer, you might ask the question, how do you stop from cancelling people who don't agree with you? You see, it's difficult these days uh, to have a coherent modern view because of the speedy recourse to cancel culture that people have. You see, the cancelling of people tends to contradict the view that they hold. And that is what Philip is seeking to get to, the point of coherence that what a person thinks they believe in is actually coherent. It hangs together. The scripture the Ethiopian was reading was from the book of Isaiah. It was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And the Ethiopian asked, who is this man? Perhaps today we would ask a different question. Perhaps we would ask, who cancels this man? Who, as Jesus was cancelled, and it was predicted in the book of Isaiah, would you cancel Jesus today? And that's a good place to get to in talking to people about the gospel. Would you cancel Jesus today? And you can look at their beliefs, and maybe you could say, from your belief point of view, maybe you would, because I don't think Jesus agrees with that. And that's a powerful argument to people. Perhaps the greatest person who ever walked this earth and you were counselor. So the three things that Philip does is he listens, he walks to where God wants him to walk to, and he asks a question. And that's what it is to be a gospel messenger. And you're saying, what's that got to be anything to do with me? And I'm saying to you, this is the book of Acts. Why did God put a book in the Bible called the book of Acts if he doesn't want us to act? If he doesn't want us to look at these stories and say, how do we live with this in our lives? One last thing before we leave Philip, and I think it's important and unusual, because what we also learn about Philip is that he's called to disappear. Verse 39 when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now, some preachers interpret this as Philip being miraculously beamed up by God. But I think we can accept that once again, Philip is listening to God, and while the Ethiopian is getting changed into dry clothes, after his baptism, Philip walks on, turns a corner, and he is gone. And we're told he goes on to minister as far away as Caesarea. The Ethiopian will have so many questions that Philip could answer, but God says to Philip, move on. What can we take from this? Why is it mentioned? 
we can take the very important message that sometimes God says to us, I've got this. You move on. Sometimes God calls us to intervene and engage, and sometimes God calls us to disengage. This is a lesson that we need to learn. Let me suggest to you some potential applications. There's a time to stop being a helicopter parent, constantly hovering over your children. There's a time when you've got to listen to God, and He's saying, as far as your children are concerned, I've got this. It's time for you to trust me now. That's one scenario when we're called to take a step back. Another might be when you're the child of a bereaved parent and you want to try and make your mom or your dad happy again. But it's too big a burden for any one individual. You've got to trust God for the next stage of their journey. Thirdly, another scenario might be this. When you realize that you are the codependent in a relationship, a codependent is someone who is in a one-sided relationship and you are being leaned on constantly but never appreciated, perhaps often blamed. And the person on the other side of the relationship perhaps has an addiction problem or is coping with a life-changing trauma or just has a grudge on life, or is angry and distrustful of God, uh, so they, they want to fill the gap that they don't trust God for. And sometimes we need to realize that, yes, we are gospel messengers, but we are never God. We are never somebody's Savior. And there are times when it's right to be there, and there's times when God calls us to disappear, to take a step back. Let's move on to the Ethiopian. I've given him, I've given Philip the title of gospel messenger, and I've given the Ethiopian the title of beginner, believer, and belonger. And the first thing I want to say about the Ethiopian is that there are no lesser man, no lesser woman in God's eyes. Six times the Ethiopian in this passage of Scripture is described as a eunuch. It's a condition forbidden under Old Testament law, but it was something that was practiced in governmental service of other nations, especially if that service was in the court of a queen, as it was in this case. Those today who are champions of sexual diversity, would consider a sexually inactive person as a lesser person. Even people without that agenda might consider someone who is as incomplete as the Ethiopian eunuch as a lesser person. Racists would certainly do so when it comes to the color of a person's skin. But the diversion of Philip from Samaria, because that's where he was. And in Samaria, Philip had begun a religious revival. And God says, I want you to come away from that revival, and I want you to meet with this one person. 
There are no lesser men. There are no lesser women when it comes to God. You see, God deals with us in such a singular way, it is as if we, we are the only person alive. And three things I want you to know about this Ethiopian spiritual journey. There is a beginning, there is a believing, and there is a belonging. The first may seem that the beginning is when a person begins to search and ask questions and doubt and wrestle. And yes, humanly speaking, that is the beginning of that person's spiritual journey. But the full truth is that the beginning is in the loving heart of God who cares for us in our brokenness and in our incompleteness. And He reaches out to us even before we know. So here's this man. And he may feel in some ways lesser, but he's not. He may feel as he goes to worship as a God-fearer uh, among the Jewish people that he's a lesser person bec because he's not actually Jewish. But he's not lesser. And as the Ethiopian meets with Philip uh, and this God-sent man opens to him the Word of God, surely he begins to realize that that here God has sent a messenger right for him. So the beginning, humanly speaking, is in his search for truth. Spiritually speaking, the beginning is in the heart of God. Second, we come to the believing aspect. Jesus' story of the prodigal son is letting us know that God knows that a lot of us are going through life just trying to find our way home. And so it is with the Ethiopian, a career civil servant, wealthy, able to afford a courage, but also on a spiritual journey. He connects with the Jewish faith, which uniquely at the time believed not in multiple gods, but in God, singular. He follows our customs. He travels long distances to participate in their holy days in their holy city, Jerusalem. He reads their secret text, the Old Testament of the Bible, and he is reading it out loud as Philip is alongside. And the words he's reading are, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. And his question to Philip is this, Who is this? You know, a person today steeped in modern culture wouldn't look to a sacred text to find out who the Messiah was, who the anointed one was. Instead, they would look into themselves and they would say, it's me. I'm the anointed one. And you don't need to look into my heart to find out where the truth is. The only person they would say that I need to listen to is myself. But instead, the Ethiopian listens to Philip tell the story of Jesus, probably from the cradle to the cross. And as he listens, the Ethiopian realizes that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus fits this prophecy of hundreds of years ago. 
and I leave you to decide which is the better option. From what follows, we know that the Ethiopian has come to faith. He has believed. Suddenly his eyes are opened to see who Jesus is. And he believes. And then this brings us to the point of great concern to him. And the point is that of belonging. The Ethiopian says something strange. They are passing a piece of water, and he asks in verse 36, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Instant baptism. Imagine if after a service, the preacher was to say, well, look, is anybody here coming to faith this morning? And somebody's put up their hand, and, and they came to faith, and he said, okay, let's go down to the lagon. Okay, I can see how the story's starting to fall apart here, maybe. But, but that's, what, that's the reality of what happened. Instant baptism. We would normally advise a period of instruction. But no, Philip was okay with this. Baptism is the outward symbol of the inner reality that the person has begun a new life and, and is now part of the family of God. But why is this so immediately important to the Ethiopian? Why, in the instant he comes to faith, he sees a, a body of water and he says, can I get baptized now? Why is it so important? It's because, you see, he's had the experience of being a God-fearer among the Jews, following Jewish beliefs and customs, but still being on the outside. He would have been allowed into the temple, for instance, but he would only have been allowed as far as what's called the court of the Gentiles at the very back and would have had no clear participation in what went on at the temple. He knew, although he was a God-fearer, he was still on the outside. And he wanted to know, is that still going to be the case for me, an Ethiopian eunuch? But it's not. When you believe, you belong. You belong to Christ. You belong to Christ's family. You belong to his church. You belong to God. And that's a wonderful thing, that the journey to God is like a journey coming home. It is the story of the prodigal son who returns to the father and finds there a completeness of life. Begin. Maybe... That's the resolve for somebody here today. I've got to make a start. I've got to begin. I've got to give some listening ability to God to come into my life and to speak to me. Begin. Believe. There'll come a point in that spiritual journey where you'll have to make up your mind. It will be like crossing the line. It will be as if it's a new beginning when you make that step of faith. But notice that when you do, you also not only believe, but you find you belong.
to know you are a child of God, that he is your heavenly Father. The Ethiopians' wanderings are over. He is not an outsider. He is not a lesser person. He is a full child of God. And we read in verse 39. Firstly, about Philip, it says, And the eunuch did not see him again. But then it says, But went on his way rejoicing. The whole thing was complete. That journey, we're not told how long he was on that spiritual journey. It may have been years. Certainly, he had covered the miles. At, at a modest estimate, he had come at least 400 miles maybe more, to come to Jerusalem to take part in Jewish worship because he had already worked out if there is a God, it's God singular. And on his way back from the journey, God tells Philip, Philip, go down that road. I've got somebody for you to meet. So two challenges for those who are gospel messengers, be prepared to cross the room. And for those who are on the beginning of a spiritual journey, persevere. Open the word of God. Ask for help, as the Ethiopian did. And know that in believing comes belonging. And you're a child of God. And you have come home again. Let's pray. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the challenge of it today. We pray, Lord, that you will take out of this message the, the points that are relevant to each individual, and may your Holy Spirit enable those trust to grow. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.